my lame attempt at being Dr. Seuss, but it is good to see you here this morning. Uh, I've missed you guys past couple of Sundays. I really appreciate Josh and just heard he did a great job uh, teaching, and uh, we look forward to what God is going to teach us. I know he's already taught me a lot in preparation for uh, this sermon series. We are going to be talking about how God really wants to activate each one of you. I believe that God has uh, something, and this is probably the most important six words you will ever hear in your life. God has something to say to you. God has something to say to you. And I believe with all my heart that he's going to speak to somebody this morning, and it will change your direction for 2011. I don't know how many of you have uh, done any New Year's resolutions. I can raise my hand and say I have. Have any of you? Uh, nobody? Just a few? Yeah, there's some. Okay, good. We won't go and find out what your New Year's resolutions will be or mine because I know it's not about me. But uh, New Year's resolutions are, are a great way to refocus us on who he has called us to be. And it's so important because God is constantly asking who? Who will go? Who will tell? And this morning, we're going to just dive into some scripture here. It's from Isaiah 6. And so you, if you have your Bibles, and I, I want to encourage you all this year, especially to, uh, to, to get a copy of God's Word. If you don't have one, there's one in the pews. And you can just take that one home and mark it up and make it your own. Uh, and the story of Isaiah, Isaiah 6, if you uh, will turn. I didn't uh, reformat my Bible here. Uh, and I just want us to look at this uh, very quickly, the story of Isaiah, and just kind of walk through it uh, with you. Uh, it says in uh, verse 1, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne. He was high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Imagine this. He is there at his temple, his place of worship, and all of a sudden he gets a glimpse of the Lord high and lifted up. He sees this incredible God. And this Lord is like none other. In fact, it says his train filled the temple. Back in those days, you looked at a king and you could tell how important and how vast a king and his kingdom were by how long the train was. You know, if you had a six-foot little robe that went out that far, you know, he may be king of Connecticut. But this is a Texas-size train. It fills the temple. In other words, this is a God that is so extravagant, we can't even begin to know exactly how powerful he is. He's incredible. I mean, a God who created the world. Uh, when you think about stars in the heaven, I just want to stop right there, keep your finger on that scripture there. But when you think about the universe and you think about how vast, how amazing God's creation is, it's Huge. In fact, they say that the Milky Way galaxy spans 120,000 miles. No, 120,000 light years. Can you imagine that? You get in your car and you've got one of those new cars that goes at the speed of light. And you're going to be traveling 120,000 years before you get across the Milky Way. Some people think that uh, if you could measure the known universe, it would be 520 billion light years. I just think about the incredible, vast nature of who God is. As you can probably tell, we were kind of kicking at Dr. Seuss uh, this year. You remember that story of Horton Hears a Who? And uh, this is a 
this is not exactly my decoration kind of look there. You won't see these colors in my house, I, I want to promise you. Tracy uh, did this for us, and I'm so thankful because it is just, isn't it really cool? It kind of reminds you of the Horton, here's the who. But when you think about the vast nature, and you, you get this elephant, and all of a sudden he begins to hear something. It's so small, so terribly small. It would barely hang on a whole city there. Well, that's exactly the way uh, we could appear in the universe. So incredibly small, very difficult to imagine that we could be any smaller than we are and yet this holy God who took his fingertips and created galaxies is so interested in what is going on in your life he's interested in what's going on in Holly's life and Darlene's life he's interested in Kevin's life and he wants he says he knows us and he formed us and he has a plan for us okay I'm getting off plan here but listen to the words, verse 3 says, They cried to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Holy, holy, holy. Whenever in the Jewish culture, whenever they said things three times, it was like this amazing, perfect number. And here he is saying he is perfectly holy. It says in the and I don't know if you've ever had this experience in our church. I hope we have better foundation than this. But he says, the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried. Haven't you wanted to be in a worship service where the place was shaken? And he cried out. And this is what he said. He said, woe is me, for I am undone. This is Isaiah. He says, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of the people of unclean lips. And for my eyes have seen the king the Lord of hosts. And then one of the seraphim, one of those angels, flew to me, and in his hand was a live coal, which had, he had taken from the tongs of the altar, and he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I send me. Would you pray with me just for a moment? God, Lord, I pray that you'll speak to us in this moment. Father, just open up our ears. Lord, help us to hear you like we've never heard you before. Lord, we thank you for this new year. We thank you for the opportunities that it provides, and we look forward to seeing what's going to happen. In Christ's name, amen. If we want to experience the glory of God, we have to come to the realization that God is absolutely involved in your life. No matter how small you may feel like you are, when he calls who, I hope you'd say what Isaiah said, here am I, send me. Because his glory, he wants to, to create within you an experience where you have such a connection with him that you experience his glory. How does that look? Well, Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians 3.18. And if you've got your worship notes, it's written there in your worship notes. But it says, But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. And I want to ask you, what happens when you experience glory. I think there are several things that happen, and they're found right in the scripture. 
I love this passage because this is the passage where uh, during a worship service back in 1979, you know, me and Abe Lincoln went to church together, and uh, I heard this passage, and it's when I said, you know what, I feel like God's calling me to be uh, a minister. As crazy as that seemed to me at the moment, because I, I just really, I couldn't wrap my brain around it because I've seen so many tragedies and heartbreaks and, and falls in ministry that he would want to call me. But there are some things that he, he says. He says that, you know, first of all, we're going to look in and we're going to say, whoa. When we encounter God, we look at holy, holy, holy God, and then we look at us and we have to say, whoa. God, you are holy. You're the most beautiful thing that I've experienced. And so there's a whoa experience. But then there's a W-O-E woe as well. Because we experience that idea as we look inside ourselves. First we looked up and now we look in. And we see that we are people of unclean lips. And we dwell among people of unclean lips. I was thinking about this as we watched a few of the festivities. Uh, we did what old people do on New Year's Eve. We stayed home and watched everybody else have fun on television. And, um, and, and as I looked at that, I saw, thought to myself, wow, this celebration that they're, they're having everywhere, it just seems uh, so foreign to, to the glory of God. And we look around and we have to say, whoa, whoa, is me. And I look inside my heart and I say, God, how can you use me? Because my heart is flesh. How are you going to use me? And we say, whoa. And then after we look up and say, whoa. And after we look in and say, whoa. Then we hear what God says. And he says this, who will go? We experience, whoa. We experience, whoa. And then we experience go to look out and see the needs that we have. You know, I was thinking about this. Um, this is going to sound really neurotic. I just want a parenthetical phrase uh, moment here for a second. I was uh, doing my new exercise regime here at the, the church. Um, and found me some nine-pound weights. And this is what I do. I come up here at night usually, and I will go up the stairs to the youth hall and go all the way down to the other stairway, go down, go back up, go there with the weights, and uh, I'm going to write a book about it and make millions of dollars. Um, but, uh, and I'll tithe, I promise. No, no, it's just, it's kind of a stupid plan, but it seems to be working. I'm sweating, and it seems like a good thing. But as I was doing this a couple of nights ago up here at the church, nobody is around. And there, there was a, a Mini Cooper and a big SUV that just parked in the back. And that, you know those windows outside here where you can just see the stairwells? Well, I kept going up and down. And as I did, I started thinking, what are these guys doing? And one of them had the dark car door open, and they were just kind of staring and couldn't recognize. Is that anybody here? Well, anyway, uh, this is the way my neurotic mind goes, is uh, they're going to kill me. And I'm going to be on news too. It's going to be one of those 2020 things about a pastor mystery getting killed, you know. And then I started thinking, you know, that would be too bad. Uh, you know, I'd get to be with Jesus. But then I started thinking, have I done exactly what God has called me to do? When he said who, did I say, 
in my life, here am I, send me. Am I doing what's comfortable or am I doing the thing that is uncomfortable but totally awesome because it's what God has me doing? And I hope you ask yourself that question. Maybe you'll have one of those moments where you say, you know, what is my funeral going to be like? What is it going to be like whenever I reach the end of my life? Have I done everything that God has asked me to do? Because that's the only thing that matters when you reach the end of your life. Is, is he going to say, well done, good and faithful servant? You've been faithful over a few things, some small things. I'm going to make you ruler over many. Will he say, well done? Because it's important. I love what Dr. Seuss says. It just... I, uh, that, that elephant says, I'll just have to save him because after all, a person's a person no matter how small. And I want to tell you that God is not looking for success. He is looking for obedience. God is looking for the person who is obedient. So if you reach the end of your life and you were obedient and three people followed you in this walk to the cross, you are automatically a success. And God is waiting for followers who are ready to hear. You know, you, you look at Isaiah and you, you think, well, Isaiah made it into uh, this. His story was in God's word. Was he really a success? And you look down in verse 6 and you understand what he told them, what, what he said to them is that I've, uh, in verse 9, it says, uh, Go and tell the people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeking, seeing, but do not perceive. Verse 10 says, Make uh, the heart of this people dull and the eyes heavy and shut their ears heavy and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears. And he's saying, Look, Isaiah, this is a message where I want you to fail, <laughs> but I want you to be obedient no matter because I want you to understand this holy discontent that I have for where my people are and what they're doing. Are you angry about the same things that God is angry about? And you think, what makes you angry in this world? Well, I guess you could uh, say, well, you know, what, what makes God mad? Well, we, we would have to say uh, drugs probably make God mad. Lots of people uh, addicted to chemicals and uh, it's messing with their lives and tearing up their families and ruining futures. And then you think, well, there, there are kids out there who are living in harm's way in their own bedroom. And they're abused and they're forsaken and uh, they're stuck in front of a television receiving no wisdom whatsoever from their parents. They're, they're, they, they go from house to house because of the mistakes that parents have made in the past because of their own selfish desires, they put their kids. There are some people in this world that are like that. They just overlook their kids. And some of them beat their children. And some of them leave their children with this horrible, sinking feeling of shame in their life. That makes God angry. And you might even say that the Taliban makes God angry. It makes us angry. It makes God angry that a group could cause so much fear and could waste innocent life have such a distorted view of what this world and this life and this God called Jesus is that they just do not even understand it so much that they cause destruction across the world and cause fear every time you walk into an airport God hates that I'm sure 
But you know what God also hates? It may look a little bit like this. It may look a little bit like a worship service. Amos put it this way in, in Amos chapter 6. He says, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Listen to this. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to your music of your harps, but let justice roll like a river righteousness like a never failing stream you know god is interested not only in the worship that we have in here but this worship makes him angry if we walk out the door and we refuse to do what he's called us to do and i pray this morning that you will realize those six words god has something to say to you i don't know what your New Year's resolutions are, but I pray that one of those would be that you would begin to listen to who he is and what he has for you. And I want to ask you these three questions because they're so important. How, how far are you willing to go to teach? What are you reserving for your own well-being that you're not willing to give over to God as far as distance? How much are you willing to give? Are you willing to lay everything on the line and say, God, I give you everything, my car, my clothes, my house, my kids, all of those things, God, I just want to give that back to you. And then how long are you willing to serve? Because you see, God is watching for worshipers who are ready to hear. That's the kind of worship it's the kind of worship that we look at the things that make us angry and we don't run away from them. We run toward them to try to make them better through the power of God. That we run toward those places that would be more easily ignored in our lives. How much are you willing to give and how long are you willing to serve? Are you really willing to serve Jesus with every ounce of 2011? I don't know what you expected in 2011. It just seems so, such, does anybody else feel like that we're living in science fiction? Because all of the movies in the 60s, it was always in the year 2010, you know, and, and you, you have all of these, uh, you, we were expecting rocket packs and to be able to dematerialize ourselves and uh, to do all of these weird and crazy science fiction things. My brother sent me a note that said, uh, Happy binary code day because it's 010111. We live in this strange time where there's great need. No, we don't have our rocket packs, but we do have friends that are addicted. We do have people that are in trouble, and we do have an incredible burden to reach the world. So what are we going to do? I want to ask you just to, to bow your head and to close your eyes. And we're just going to take a moment here this morning. And I want to challenge you to forget about the person on your left or your right. And I just want, with your eyes closed, just to allow God to speak to you. Now, I'm not saying that he's going to say something to you right here and right now. But perhaps... 
just maybe he will. What is that thing that God has called you to do this year? about your lives and what Isaiah said, I'm a man of unclean lips. What needs to be purified in your life in order for you to be everything that God has called you to be? Are you willing to allow him to have your eyes, to have control of your thought life? Are you willing to place your bitterness on the offering offering table of sacrifice the altar and say Lord I give it to you and just like the days of Isaiah so we are even closer to the end and he is holy a baby born outcast and obscure you're still holy Lord master craftsman of the universe born a carpenter's son and you were still holy walking in the wilderness 40 days without and you were still holy in a borrowed tomb the casualty of my sin you were still holy in the middle of my struggles in the center of my life in my dreams tears, brokenness, and fears. Lord, you are still holy. Lord, you comfort us, you guide us, you love us, you fill us. And Lord God, you are still holy. When an upside down world quakes and trembles with pain and heartache and loneliness, you're still there and you're still holy in the silent nights and fragile days you are still holy